0: Well, hello, church. It is such a privilege to be able to be with you tonight. We are glad that you are with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. I want to give a special shout out and hello to all of those folks that are joining us online, wherever you may be, whether it be in the community, maybe on the beach in Florida, wherever it is, we just want to thank you for joining us and being with us tonight. I want to read a verse for you as we begin from Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law and how do you read it? He, meaning Jesus, answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. These familiar words begin the parable of the Good Samaritan. As I say familiar, they're familiar to me because from the time I was about three years old until now, I've probably heard those words, that command, that challenge, literally hundreds of times. It might have been in a children's message, it might have been in a sermon, it might have been in Sunday school, and I learned that somehow on a flannel graph board. I don't know, but I've heard it a lot to love your neighbor as yourself and when we read it here from the book of Luke that's certainly not the only place where you read it that command that principle is all over scripture in fact if you fast forward to the book of James chapter 2 and verse 8 we read these words if you keep the royal law found in scripture love your neighbor love your neighbor as yourself you are doing right and there are others many many others for that. You know, to love your neighbor as yourself. As a kid, I think I had a little bit of a distorted view about who my neighbor really was and what that verse meant. You see, I understood the principle. I understood the command, but my view of who was my neighbor was a little bit off. You see, when I was three years old, I moved into our new house. I loved our new house. Well, My mother still hasn't moved out of that house and it's been a few days since I was three years old. So we were there for a long, long time. I loved my house. I loved where we grew up. It was such an amazing place. But here's the thing about my house. I didn't live in a neighborhood. I didn't live in an addition or any association. We had one street and there were 10 houses on that street. That was it. That was what I grew up in. And so, that, that, so when I thought about loving your neighbor, I immediately thought God was talking to me about the 10 houses that were on that street. I grew up sheltered, isolated. I felt so safe and I absolutely loved it. Well, if you fast forward a few years later from when I was three years old and moved into the house, they put in a new house giant neighborhood right on the other side of the street, hundreds of houses. And when I saw those houses, I clearly did not view them as my neighbors, and I surely did not see them as my neighborhood. That was exclusively reserved to those 10 houses that were on the street. And so when I, when I read that and I heard that lesson again and again to love your neighbor as yourself, it became pretty clear to me that this was going to be a pretty easy deal. Because nine out of ten of those houses, it wasn't going to be a challenge because we were all one big family. But then there was that one house. You know the house I'm talking about. You, you, you know. It was the first house on the right. It was an older couple And for whatever reason, I had in my mind that they just hated kids. And I'll take it one step further. I thought they specifically just hated me. And you don't think so. And I know it's hard to believe. You're like, how could anybody? I know, I get it. But I remember one time, they gave out popsicles to all the kids. Except for this guy. And so I knew that when I heard that lesson, to love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus was talking to me about that house because that was my neighbor and that was my neighborhood. So you might be asking yourself, sitting in the chair right now or watching online, why are you telling us this story? You probably didn't come today or join us online to hear about my childhood, but I tell you that because I feel like at times as adults, we view our neighborhood just like I did as a five-year-old, just like I did as a six- or a seven-year-old, and it's like, oh, I can love my neighbor, I can love them as myself, but as long as it's one of those 10 houses that's on my street, but not not right across the street, that's not my neighborhood, and that certainly is not my neighbor. So that's what I wanna start with tonight, and we, we are going to do something a little different than a typical sermon. It's going to be a few minutes before we get to our scripture text that we're going to be looking at and diving a little deeper into. But the reason I want to do this is I want to spend some time as a church looking at who our neighbors really are and what our neighborhood really, really looks like. Because if we have the challenge to love your neighbor, we need to define who they are and what our neighborhood looks like. So a few years ago, I'm not exactly sure of the year and the dates, a few years ago, we at Mount Pleasant went through a major and an ever-expanding ministry shift with our impact ministries. And so you might be asking yourself, what is our impact ministries? Well, that's a great question, and I'm gonna answer that for you right now because here's what I don't wanna do. I don't want to, I don't want to just assume that everybody here knows all the things about our impact ministries and knows all the things about the different sites and all the different things that we do. Here, I also realize that we on staff, we live and breathe this every day and we talk about it in meetings and we go through different things where we talk about what we do and how we do this. And so I don't want to just assume that, hey, everybody is on the same page that we are and has the same information we are. And I also know there's probably a good chance somebody's here for the very first time. Somebody tuning in online has never been here. So we're going to start with a little bit of education and defining who our neighbor is and what our neighborhood looks like through our impact ministries. And so here's how we define what an impact ministry is. It's through three words, live, learn, and love. It's Pretty simple, those three words. Let me define those for you today. To live. We believe that God's method of working his purpose in our lives and the lives of others is for us to live in his community, to learn. After we learn the needs of others, they will be open to learning what God says. And the last one, love. True love is not giving someone something, but it is using what we learned to meet a need so that we can show the love of God. In the past few years, we've either acquired or started three different impact sites around the city of Indianapolis, and that doesn't even include our impact center which is right out those doors on the other side of our parking lot. Our impact center meets the needs of hundreds of families each week with physical needs through food and clothing and a service and a lot of different ways. That doesn't even include that. Around the city of Indianapolis, we have three different impact sites. Here's what I want us to look at as we define what our impact sites are. I want it to be us, and that's me, and that's you, and that's the church that's expanding our neighborhood. Let me say that again. Our impact sites are us expanding our neighborhood. So one of the things I want you to walk away from our service today is a better or more clear picture of who our neighbors really are and what our neighborhoods really look like as we together push our fences and we expand our yard because too often, just like I was as a kid, We're like, my neighborhood is just those 10 houses on the street. So we're going to look at them real briefly. The closest impact site to us is the Old South Side that you heard about. And here's a map, just so you're following along. That's us right here. The impact Old South Side is right here, directly south of the stadium. I passed it last night a couple of times on my way down to and from the city of Indianapolis, It is a beautiful facility that we purchased and renovated right off of Meridian. Now let me give you a little history of the area so that you really have a better understanding. The Old South Side at one point was a vibrant, diverse neighborhood. It was known for strong relationships between Jewish, black, and white neighbors. That was until about the late 1970s when the interstate came through and cut the neighborhood basically in half and, uh, in essence, targeted black owned homes. From that time until now, it's continued in a steady decline and it's known all around Indianapolis for its poverty and its blights, and, and all the while, there were families from the 70s that are still there and remain committed to that neighborhood. Our ministry began, and our impact ministries began, when our own pastor, Chris Philbeck, identified this area right here as an area for us to live, to learn, and to love. Back when we began, you could buy a home in the Old South Side, for around $7,000. Now you think this was many, many decades ago, but it was just a few years ago. Fast forward to today, we can't even purchase an empty lot for less than $30,000 with no structures on it. This is due to the housing market, the move to the city, HD TV show, Good Bones, put spotlight on that, people are buying up all kinds of property, and we think that's a really great thing, but here's what the reality is, The neighbors that are invested in that neighborhood are at risk of losing their homes to being priced out or taxed out of affordable housing. So the impact Old Southside is striving to be the church by serving and loving a growingly economically diverse neighborhood. Just to give you a little snapshot of some of the things that we do at the Old Southside, is we have a dinner church on Sunday nights. Looks a little different than what we do here. Dinner church, I love the sound of that and I love the the ministry that they do there. Monday evening is their kids and their youth night. Tuesdays, they host a partner outreach group that serves young the young homeless population of Indianapolis. Wednesday night is a youth hangout night and food drive night. Thursday afternoon is a coffee club to reach senior adults. In an ever-changing culture, Saturday mornings are spent with Pastor Parker, who leads a youth work program that teaches young men a skill as well as gives them a job, along with a woman's group. The Old South Side is a great resource to the community. I want to just share with you here's a picture of our impact Old South Side pastor. That is Jed Fuller. That is his wife Adrian. There's Titus, Malachi, and Ruth. They've been part of our Old South Side from the very beginning. They've been our first team to be there. Also on staff, we have Parker Brown. Parker gets two pictures, so I'll share those with you. This is the before picture. This is Parker, Melissa, and their first son, Elijah. And here's the second picture. This is the after. That's with their newest son, Jeremiah. That's the team that's leading the live, learn, and love right there in the Old South Side. Begins, we begin to do that, we begin to get a better picture of who our neighbors really are and where our neighborhood really is. Next, we have our Impact Bethany Campus. That's this dot all the way over here. It's essentially on the corner of 465 and 65. It's on north of us and also west, or I'm sorry, east of us. It is the former location of Bethany Christian Church, and it also sits in a very, very unique in a diverse location. It's at the edge of the Perry School District and the Southport School District. About 20, I'm sorry, about 70% of the kids that are a part of that area are on free and re, or reduced lunches. So poverty is also very real there. But something unique about that campus and about that location is, Just about a block or two away from that church are brand new, very nice, very expensive homes. But yet, even in our own backyard, right in the parking lot, there's a lower income, transient, more transient apartment complex that a lot of our kids and our youth come from. Our Impact Bethany campus is, again, very, very diverse they have Sunday morning services, Tuesday night food pantry, which also is paired with a youth and a, uh, and a children's night. Wednesday and Thursday night, they have groups. And later this month, in our neighborhood right there, they're looking to launch an after-school program. Here's a picture of our pastor. This is Don Thee and his wife, Susan. If you don't know Don, you are missing out. Don has an unquenchable passion for serving our Lord. He is just such an infectious personality. We are privileged to be able to have him serve with us in that neighborhood as they together look how to live, learn, and love. Finally, we have our Impact Fairfax campus That's right up here. It's basically on the west side of Indianapolis. If you take Michigan Avenue, cut that straight west from Indianapolis. It's about less than a mile north of that in that area. This is the former location of Fairfax Christian Church, who was a a vibrant church in Indianapolis for decades and decades and decades. Actually, the very first meeting for the board of Camp Allendale back in the 40s met in that building right there at Fairfax Christian Church. This is probably the site I am the most well acquainted with or that I know the most because when we began this a few years back at the Impact Fairfax site, I spent about a year of my Wednesday nights in the... uh, Being partnering with them, just learning about the ministry, learning about what they do, and learning about the community. And I have to tell you, that that year did more for me to teach me about urban ministry than any book any sermon, any class I could ever be a part of. I have story after story about the things I saw, the challenges that we face, and the challenges of that neighborhood, so, so many of them. I just wanna share one of them with you just to help give you a clearer picture of what our neighborhood looks like. One night, I arrived at the the campus a little bit early, and when I pulled in, I saw three or four police vehicles at the drug house right next door. If you're unfamiliar with the drug house, this is the one that is known all around that community. It sits up right next to the campus. It is known for drug activity, prostitution. Cops are there all the time. This is the same house that we as a church purchased about a year to a year and a half ago and gifted to the Isaiah 117 ministry, that same house was the one I'm talking about. And as I was standing outside and I'm just kind of watching, out out of the back of the house, I see a man and a woman jump out of a window and I'm like, I bet that's who they're looking for. And so then they run off down the alley and I was like, well, that's something you don't normally see at Mount Pleasant in Greenwood, but okay. So one would think that would be enough for this suburban pastor for one night, but it wasn't. About 30 minutes later, at that community meal, I found myself sitting right across from that man and that woman at our community meal. This is our neighborhood. Those are our neighbors. The community is very diverse. It's over 60% Hispanic. It's also a very low-income very low income area. It is a mixture of people who have been there for generations and then right next door, you're gonna have a house that's filled one day, vacant the next, a family moves in, moves out. At the Impact Fairfax, we have Sunday services, Wednesday community meal and youth program. We had previously worked with one of the IPS schools. that was just about a block away, but they transitioned very recently to a charter school. So we are continuing to look for uh, additional ways to live, learn, and love the neighborhood. Here is our pastor. This is and- Andrew Fillmore. He's right up there. This is one of their most recent pictures because they have their daughter in there as well, all four of their, ki- their children. That's Alyssa is the wife. We have Kaya... We have Olivia Cohen, and the youngest one there is Adelia. So, as we see those pictures, and we see who our neighbors are, and we see what our neighborhoods look like, that should begin as a church, both individuals and collectively, for us all to push our fences out, redefine who is our neighbor redefine what our neighborhood looks like. When we are called to love our neighbor as ourself, that doesn't just mean the 10 houses on our street. It means all of our neighborhoods, all of our neighbors. So there's the basic information, the educational point of history of Mount Pleasant. What do we do with that? Again, thank you for asking, that's a great question. That was from one of our online guests that submitted that question. What do we do with that? Just as Heidi said in our video right before we began, on uh, next Saturday, we're gonna give us our church an opportunity to be in our neighborhoods, to love our neighbors, to walk alongside them, to be in our communities just like we were. If you remember back to about two, three years ago, and then way back, I'm gonna say about 10 years ago, we had an initiative that we began called Change the World. Had this giant banners up on both sides to change the world. We would spend one, one Saturday, the whole church, it f- felt like, and 12 other people right next door over at the uh, Community Life Center. We did meals, and we packed meals to go all over the country, hundreds of thousands of meals. The next weekend, we built houses with Habitat for Humanity, even right in our own parking lot. And then something like COVID came along, knocked us out. We've been kind of on the bench for a couple of years, and so we are no longer on the bench. Next week, we're going back into action And not only are we just doing one weekend, we're doing four-year quarterly events where we as a church have the opportunity to serve, to put into action, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the challenge. So before I run out of time, we probably need to read our scripture for today. If you have your Bible with you, we're gonna look very briefly at the book of James, chapter two, starting at verse 14 through 19. Just like we do each and every week, I'm going to invite you to stand if you would, and you're willing, no pressure if you don't, but we just do this each week in reverence and respect to God's word. We're going to read some scripture that I think is for us. I think it is for us as we define who our neighbors are and what our neighborhoods look like. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith. Without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is a God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You may be seated. And we always ask God to bless the reading and hearing of his words. What a great passage about us, both individually and as a church, living out our faith. As we unpack that, I wanna focus on that very first question that we read in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? And then he goes on to illustrate that. And actually in the the verses following that, James goes on to illustrate that through through Abraham, who was credited as righteousness, lived out his faith, and even Rahab the prostitute lived out her faith as well. And he goes on, can such faith save him? If you're taking notes, I would like you to write down next to number one and you're thinking, wow, a three-point sermon and we've got like 12 minutes. It's actually just two points. The first thing I want you to write down is this, serving others is a demonstration of our faith. Serving others is a demonstration of our faith. One of my very favorite movies is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And I say it's like from a few years ago, but every year it becomes even more a few years ago. There's a scene at the very end of the movie where Indiana's faced with an uh, impossible situation. He gets to a canyon, and he has to cross it, but there's no way across. If he goes forward, he's gonna fall. And the more he looks, and the more he realizes, and the more he has does a little bit of thinking and processing through, he's like, there's a bridge there, you just can't see the bridge. And so in his mind, he's like, I believe there's a bridge there. So he has two choices. He could be like, I believe there's a bridge. Great. Walk there. Or I believe there's a bridge and I'm going to go across the bridge. And that's what he does. And he stands firm on the, on, the, on the bridge that can't be seen unless you look at it from the other direction. So it is, he had to demonstrate his faith. As Christians, we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. We can say it. We can be like, I do. I love you. I love neighbor over there. I love you. But we have to demonstrate that love. We have to show that love. Just like the old DC talk song, love is a verb. It is an action verb. We have to show and demonstrate by serving others. In James chapter Two, verse 14 it says, what good is it? We also read the same thing in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, where it says, what good is it if a man, for a man, if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? The same phrase there. In other translations, it also says, what profit is it? What, what, what do we gain if we don't? In 1 John chapter three, we read this. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? And then I like this part a lot. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and the truth. It's essentially saying you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? You know when we're challenged to love our neighbor as self, you can say it, we can all say it, but the challenge isn't to say it with our mouth, the challenge is to do it and to show them through actions. In verse 18 of our text it says, but someone will say you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. What a great message about serving, about loving, our neighbor about being the hands and feet of Jesus about demonstrating to our neighbors that we really love them. You know, in past messages I've shared different times about different opportunities I've had to serve and impacts that it's made on my life, whether it be through mission trips, through working in kids ministry or some other ministry event or some other other thing. I want to share another one with you. I don't think I've shared it with you, but if I have, act like it's the very first time you've heard it. Just be like, oh, I've never heard that before. I want to share with you something I did in 1997. It was at my very first church that I was a minister at. I was a youth pastor at the time. And we were given the opportunity to go to the inner city of St. Louis. We partnered with our local Bible college and they sent out youth groups all around the city to do various things. So we took our whole youth group to this event. And when I say our whole youth group, that was me, Lisa, and probably four high schoolers, maybe five. So all six or seven of us went to this house and I found out it was just us. We were alone. No one else was with us. And here I am. Let's see, in 1997, I was probably two years old. Or no, I was in my 20s somewhere, I realized I was in charge, I was in charge of all of this. And I went to the door, and there was an older lady who answered the door, and I didn't know what her job was, and she said, I just need a little bit of help cleaning out my basement. And I was like, we got this, no problem. So our whole youth group went down to the basement, and I'm going to stop there A lot of the basements on inner city homes are a little different than some of the Center Grove basements that you might be used to. I did not see a pool table downstairs. I did not see any seating area or a video game room or anything. In fact, I didn't even see a light switch because at the bottom you had to pull the light and it was damp and it was dark and it was musty and I realized She's lived in this house for decades and decades and decades, and there is a lot of stuff down there and a lot of dirt. So for hours, we cleaned, we moved, we brought stuff up, and we were exhausted. And I have to tell you, this is not what we signed up for. When we got home, I think we probably took two to three showers each. We washed our clothes two or three times and probably still weren't clean. Again, this wasn't what we signed up for, but... We were used just to show that woman that Jesus loves her through what we did. God used us in that moment. I'm also surprised, I'm not really surprised, but I'm amazed year after year with our own kids here and our own high school students here at Mount Pleasant Christian Church. We take hundreds of kids to CIY conference every summer. And for, for whatever reason, and I know this because I've been there, when you come back, There's a group of kids that are just empowered. They're just energized to serve the Lord. And I've seen some of our own kids do amazing things, raise so much money, do so many projects. And many times when I see this, it puts us as adults a little bit to shame because you're like, oh, you're a high school kid doing this, showing our neighbors that we love them. In the book of Galatians, we read this in verse chapter five. It says, you brothers were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, as I was really digging into this a little more, I kept going back to one of my favorite, favorite passages in the New Testament, which is out of the book of I was, the book of Philippians chapter two, verses six through 11. In fact, I preached on it a couple of times. I'm like, I can't use that text. I can't use it because it's gonna be too much. I've used it too often. And so I had to struggle with that. But then as I read a little further, I was like, but those first five verses before it gets there, that speaks to me about this And hopefully it's gonna speak to you about this. I wanna read those for you. So this isn't the actual part. So later on tonight or tomorrow or whatever, if you have the opportunity, read verses six through 11. I wanna read verses one through five. If you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness, any compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only at your own interests, but the interests of others, and your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. When we serve others, it is a demonstration of our faith. We're living it out. We're proving that. I want you to write down next to number two. Serving others is so much more than serving others. Let me say that again. Serving others is so much more than just serving others. I need to take a pause right here just to expand on a little something. The challenge for us as a church, the challenge for us as followers of Jesus is not to do good. It is not to simply do good things. I'm sure right now if the challenge were out there to be like, hey, let's see how many good things we can come up with. Let's all pull out our phones and get come up with some worthy things for us to be a part of that would be good. Maybe it's we feel like we need to give back. Maybe we feel like we have our job or employer requires us to do that or any number of things. That's not the challenge. We could come up with, we, we would have uh, uh, different things that we could do. We would have walk-a-thons. We could raise money for medical needs. We could serve at other food pantries. We could go different places on holidays. We could do all of those things. Doing good things is good. Sometimes doing good things is really great, but that's not our call. Our call is not to do good things. We are called to serve others so that we can point them to Jesus. That's why we serve. We don't serve to make ourselves feel better. We don't serve just to do good things. We serve so that we can point other people to Jesus. Through our love, our time, our conversations, we can give hope to people who have no hope. We can share with them the hope for all of eternity. If you remember back at the beginning of our message in our time, we defined what it meant to live, learn, and love. I gave you just a snapshot of the, the last one, which was love. I wanna read the entire definition for you. Love, true love is not giving someone something, but it is using what we learn to meet a need so that we can show the love of God. God's love is what we all really need, despite what we might feel at the time. Our mission is to do the above, to accomplish bringing people into a true relationship with the loving Father. That's why we have been called to love our neighbor as ourselves, so that we can point others to Jesus and that, we can, that he can, they can have a relationship with him in their eternity can be changed. So, love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for us as a church? Coming up this weekend, this next Saturday, we're gonna have an opportunity for us to be in our neighborhood. Will you join us? Right outside these doors, we have Heidi out in the commons and she's going to be there to sign up if you wanna sign up to love your neighbor as yourself. There's a lot of different projects to do, a lot of different things to be done. I spoke to one of our impact pastors, and just to get a little perspective, he said this, the harvest is ripe. It's time to get to work for the Lord. Will you love your neighbor as yourself? Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the way that you showed us your love through Jesus. We thank you for the neighborhoods that we have the opportunity to serve, to live in, to learn about, to demonstrate love. We are grateful. I pray as a church that you would challenge each and every one of us to live out that command to love our neighbor as ourself so that we can share the good news with them, that they can come into a loving relationship with you. Change our definition of who our, neighborhood is, our neighbors are and what our neighborhoods look like. Challenge us to serve, challenge us to love and live that out. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand right now. We're actually gonna close the service a little bit different. It seems like for, it's been a hot second, maybe about two years or so. It's been a long, long time since we've had a challenge just to come down and pray, to come down and we, we, uh, we, we have shied away from that with COVID. I'm gonna challenge you tonight. If you feel comfortable doing so, And you wanna pray for your neighbor. You wanna pray for our neighbor. You wanna serve your neighbor. You want to love your neighbor. Whatever that is, I'm gonna invite you to come. I'm gonna invite you just to come down. The worship team is not out, just Brian's gonna lead us on a couple of choruses. And we're just gonna worship together. We're gonna sing together. And will you join me in praying for our neighbors, praying for our neighborhoods,